At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. On this episode of Sports Illustrated Weekly, after Russia invaded, thousands of Ukrainians who weren't in the armed forces took up arms to defend their country, including several current and former professional athletes. One of them was recently retired tennis star Sergei Stakovsky. We spoke with Stakovsky, as well as SI senior writer John Wertheim, about what it's been like for Ukrainian athletes who've joined the fight. And later, NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Rice stops by to tell us about all the times he graced the cover of Sports Illustrated, his new SINFTs, and what it's like to be the GOAT after all these years. But first, with Deshaun Watson being traded to the Cleveland Browns, former Sports Illustrated staffer Jenny Vrentis, now a reporter for the New York Times, walks us through her reporting on the controversial quarterback and the allegations of sexual misconduct made against him. It's March 23rd. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. From Sports Illustrated and iHeartRadio, this is Sports Illustrated Weekly. We've got breaking news out of the NFL where the Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson has waived his no-trade clause for the Cleveland Browns. That's been confirmed by our... Last week, Deshaun Watson was traded from the Houston Texans to the Cleveland Browns. 
According to reports, he signed a five-year contract for the most guaranteed money in NFL history. Where he will reportedly receive a five-year, $230 million contract. That makes him one of the highest-paid players in the NFL. The Browns also protected Watson, even if he faces punishment by the NFL this season for his alleged behavior, because his base salary for 2022 is just over $1 million. Any per-game suspension can only be deducted from that amount, leaving at least $229 million untouched. Before all that happened, a grand jury in Texas decided not to move forward with criminal charges against Watson in allegations of sexual misconduct that were made against him by multiple women. But while Watson was not charged in criminal court, There are 22 civil suits still pending against him, as well as an ongoing NFL investigation that could potentially lead the league to take disciplinary action against the quarterback. Jenny Vrentis previously covered this story for Sports Illustrated and has continued to do so for the New York Times. Be advised that what follows contains some graphic descriptions of the accusations. All right, Jenny, let's start from the beginning. Take us through the allegations against Deshaun Watson. Yeah, John. So it was almost exactly a year ago that the first allegations surfaced publicly. A 28-year-old licensed massage therapist named Ashley Solis was the one who filed the first civil suit, alleging that during a massage appointment, Deshaun Watson engaged in sexual misconduct toward her by placing his penis on her hand during the appointment without her consent. The women who have come forward have said, They believed that this was a professional setting. They were going there to do a job they had been trained to do. And he took the appointment in another direction. From that first lawsuit being filed, there was then an avalanche of others that followed. There were women saying, this happened to me too. I want to support the first person who came forward to say, you should believe her account. There are 22 active civil lawsuits right now. There were 10 criminal complaints. And of the 10 criminal complaints, eight had also filed civil complaints and two had not. So in total, there were 24 allegations that were brought to either the civil or criminal court system. And they all were very similar accounts from Watson exposing himself to touching the therapist, in some cases ejaculating on them, and in other cases, a handful of the allegations were sexual assault. All of them had a commonality in that he booked a massage appointment with the massage therapist and then turned the appointment sexual without their consent. Take us through what happened with the grand jury that was impaneled in Texas with regard to the allegations made against Deshaun. Yeah, so a grand jury in Harris County, Texas, which is where Houston is located, on Friday, March 11th, heard nine criminal cases against Deshaun Watson. The grand jury proceedings are secretive. They are behind closed doors. We couldn't even see anyone going in and out. In these cases, the grand jury hears testimony or evidence or whatever the prosecutor chooses to bring. And we don't know exactly how the prosecutor presented the case. We do know some elements. We know that 
some of the video testimony the women who filed criminal complaints had given to police. Some of that was played in the hearings. We know that several of the women were subpoenaed to potentially provide testimony. They all sat in a room together. Only one of those women was actually called in front of the grand jury. We don't actually even know which charges they considered. We know that the police investigation was zeroing in on indecent assault, which is a misdemeanor in Texas. But three of the 10 criminal complaints alleged sexual assault. But in all, the grand jury returned nine Nobels after hearing testimony for about six hours, which meant that they did not believe there was enough evidence to establish probable cause for criminal charges. Jenny, there's this old saying that prosecutors can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. In this case, the grand jury decided not to move forward. Why do you think they didn't indict Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I think the corollary to that axiom is that they can indict a ham sandwich if they want to indict a ham sandwich. And I'm not saying that that's the case here, certainly, but I bring that up because the prosecutor does have a lot of influence on how the case is presented to the grand jury. And I think part of the problem with the proceedings being secretive is we don't know exactly how the case was presented to the grand jury. We don't even know exactly what charges were considered. Uh, We don't know all of the information that was presented. There were people, including prominent media members, who wrongly framed the grand jury's decision not to proceed as an exoneration of Watson. And you have written and spoken about this extensively. Explain why it is that just because no criminal charges were filed against Watson, that it doesn't necessarily mean that he's innocent of the allegations made against him. The grand jury proceedings were one part of the whole process. And for Watson, it was certainly an important moment to not face criminal charges in Harris County. Many teams took that as a green light to proceed with trade conversations. That was the outcome that he was hoping for. But there are still the 22 civil complaints. My understanding is they are all still going forward Just because a grand jury decides that there shouldn't be an indictment here doesn't mean that there was not some form of wrongdoing. If you look at some of the facts of the case that have been put out there, and by facts, I mean not just the accounts of the women, but some of the corroboration that we've reported on, that information does point to there being some form of wrongdoing. So you mentioned the pending civil suits against Watson. I think it's important to draw the distinction. Explain how those proceedings are different than the standards necessary to prosecute in criminal court. In criminal court, to get a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt is the standard. In civil court, it's the preponderance of the evidence. So the basic legal standard is different. Tony Busby, who represents the 22 plaintiffs, has said one doesn't have any bearing on the other. Just because the criminal proceedings are over in Harris County doesn't mean that the civil proceedings are over. And there certainly could be some resolution there in which a civil court would decide that the rights of the women were violated in that way. So Watson had to sit for depositions in the civil suits. Explain your reporting on this because he invoked his Fifth Amendment right in some of those depositions, but then you've been told that he won't do so moving forward. So while the grand jury was still considering criminal charges, Deshaun Watson pled the fifth. But once the grand jury decided not to indict him in Harris County, Rusty Hardin said he would then start answering questions in the civil suits moving forward. I think civilly, if a 
defendant pleads the fifth, uh, that may not be helpful to their case. It may actually be hurtful to the resolution of the case if they plead the fifth. The legal strategy in civil court would be to answer questions and try to give some explanation for what's being alleged that you did, but they didn't want to do that until the grand jury made its decision in Harris County. After the grand jury decided not to proceed, the conversation around Watson, especially in traditional sports media forums, turned really rapidly to who might trade for Watson. It became a football conversation. And there's obviously a lot more going on here than just football. And I'm curious why you think sports fans and media alike pivoted so quickly to the football component. Is it just that sports fandom and media and social media is sort of ill-equipped to have this nuanced conversation? Sexual violence overall is a topic that you need to have studied up on. You need to have spent time learning how to talk about, how to cover, how to ask people questions. I mean, I've gone to trainings to do that because it's important, right? When you're interviewing people who say they've experienced sexual violence, you need to know how to ask questions, how to get information without re-traumatizing. I think from an NFL perspective, because Watson is a talented quarterback, I think they were looking for something that they could point to to say, this was a decision that was made that indicates we can go forward with the trade talk. So I think the grand jury making that decision days before free agency opened for NFL teams going after him, they could say, hey, listen, the grand jury decided not to indict on criminal charges. But also we hear the NFL talk a lot about how they have a higher standard, right? That's the whole crux of the personal conduct policy, right? Is that it doesn't rely on there being criminal charges or civil charges to hold players accountable for behaviors that may have violated the policy. It's asking players who represent teams, who are prominent figures in their community to hold themselves to a higher standard. And so just because there aren't criminal charges brought, if you're a team, you should be seeking to understand, well, what are your responses to the behaviors alleged in the civil complaints? Uh, How do you explain your actions? Are you willing to at least express some contrition for some of the things alleged or maybe try to rehabilitate some of the behaviors. Unfortunately, the way this has unfolded, because Watson had the no trade clause for a deal to be executed, the trade conversations became more of a bidding war. And so all of the teams that were meeting with him were trying to convince him to waive the no trade clause for their team. And I think that made it a situation where it's probably a lot less likely that he was actually pushed on those questions. The reality is that the NFL's personal conduct policy is largely a public relations mechanism. And it's used to indicate that we are taking allegations against players or coaches or members of organizations seriously. But I think in this case, what we've gotten is a window into the flaws of that process. There are a lot of repercussions to speaking up. Ashley Solis had damage done to her massage studio. But when people speak up, they do so in the hopes that there will be accountability. And that can be difficult to achieve through the criminal system, through the civil court system. And these women are trying that. They filed civil lawsuits, they filed criminal complaints. But the legal system is not suited for survivors. And a lot of paths to getting some form of justice don't result in a clear statement of guilt or non-guilt. It can also be done through the employer. 
And I think that's where the NFL states that it will examine and handle seriously accounts of misconduct. But the inaction to this point has served to essentially shield Watson from any repercussions, whether they have legitimate reasons for not using the commissioner's exempt list. Well, none of those have been explained. And so that's the environment that they've played a role in creating. Yeah, so much of this remains unresolved too, Jenny. As you mentioned, the civil suits are pending. The league has yet to weigh in. What happens next for Watson? What's he facing in terms of legal liability and also a possible league suspension? Yeah, so the 22 lawsuits are still ongoing. I think that from the plaintiff's perspective, they have a desire to start beginning trials for some of these. Of course, a settlement could happen at any time, but my most recent conversation with Tony Busby, he said there were no renewed settlement conversations, unlike last year around the trade deadline when there did seem to be a push for some of these cases to be settled. That doesn't seem to be the case now. So that is going to continue to go on. I mean, it's a little bit of a surreal circumstance where you have Watson meeting with teams and in between those meetings with teams, he was also being deposed in those civil cases. And then in terms of the NFL, we don't know exactly the timetable for the league investigation. They have interviewed several of the women who have come forward. They planned not to interview Watson until the criminal proceedings were completed. So they have not yet interviewed Watson. And so their investigation will not be complete until they do that. It's still expected that there will be some kind of suspension by the league. Again, the personal conduct policy doesn't stipulate that there need to be criminal charges for a player to be suspended, but teams seeking to acquire Watson were saying this is a long-term decision. We want him as a quarterback for many years, and so we'll withstand the suspension and then we'll have him for the long term. Jenny, it can be a little too easy, I think, for football fans to get lost in the legalese and the trade talk and the football components, and in so doing, overlook the women who made these claims. Can you tell us a little bit more about what they allegedly went through? We published a story entitled, A Massage Therapist on Her Session with Deshaun Watson. And what it was, was an account from a woman who we called Mary, a pseudonym, who was not one of the plaintiffs. She had not filed a civil lawsuit. She was not represented by the same lawyer representing all of the other plaintiffs, Tony Busby. We found her on our own, and Mary told us an account of her session with Deshaun Watson in fall 2019, earlier than any of the situations described in the civil lawsuits. Mary told Sports Illustrated that during her appointment with Watson, he engaged in behavior unlike any she'd experienced with a client before. She said that he purposely removed the towel that was covering his private areas. She said that he told her she could touch and move his then exposed penis. She ignored that suggestion. Mary also said that Watson began thrusting his pelvis into the air after he developed an erection. And at one point, she noticed what she believed to be pre-ejaculate on Watson's stomach. When you actually talk to a person who has been in a massage room with Deshaun Watson, When she describes to you in detail the behavior she said she experienced, when you then have corroboration of that behavior in the form of other accounts and messages she sent, it adds strength to what the women were saying had happened. 
Ashley Solis described how, in real time, she was questioning what she was experiencing because it didn't mesh with his public reputation. She told us that she was undermining myself in what was really happening, what was really going on. I thought, this can't be happening. He's a good person. There's no way. After the first story came out with Mary, I received some private messages that were borderline threats, essentially saying, you better know what you're doing. Why are you ruining this man's reputation? You better be right. There were some vulgar words included. And that was a little bit not surprising, but it's always shaking. Ashley Solis specifically said, I want to rehumanize us and make people remember what this is really about. When we spoke to Mary, she said, the one thing I keep thinking about is he's about to get traded to another place. He would have a whole new community of massage therapists to target. There's obviously so much swirling around Deshaun Watson, and yet, as we've discussed, Jenny, multiple teams were interested in acquiring him. And I'm wondering what that says about those organizations and the risk or the trouble that they're willing to take on in order to acquire a quarterback of his caliber. Yeah, and I think this comes up a lot when we see teams uh, deal with players who have been alleged to have committed some form of misconduct. They often talk a lot about uh, vetting or doing their due diligence, but oftentimes it's a lot thinner than the team presents it to be. They actually haven't done the work to figure out what is truly going on here. And so in the case of Watson, when I spoke with Tony Busby the other night, you know, he said none of the teams that were in the process of meeting with Watson had reached out to Busby, had asked to talk to the women involved. And, you know, maybe the women wouldn't want to talk to the teams and that would be totally understandable, but that's a call you should make. I also think those teams should be calling the Houston Police Department, speak to the investigators who spent nearly a year on the case. The other important question is the idea of second chances. And we hear that a lot in the NFL. And I think we all believe in second chances, but are the second chances actually earned? And what has been taken on by the person being given the second chance to show that maybe they've grown or they are taking the behaviors that have been alleged head on and working on things. Like, has there been rehabilitation done? And I think we so readily accept, oh yes, everyone should get a second chance without actually asking what work has been done to earn that second chance. You have done really excellent and important reporting on this. Jenny, thank you for this. Thanks for the time. Jenny Vrentis is a reporter for the New York Times who has covered the Deshaun Watson story extensively for the paper and previously for Sports Illustrated. We'll post links to her reporting in our show notes. After a break, the story of a tennis star and his fellow Ukrainian athletes who have taken up arms to fight Russia. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It was June 2013. In the second round of play at Wimbledon, Ukrainian Sergei Stokovsky, then ranked 116th in the world, faced seven-time Wimbledon champion Roger Federer. An astonishing end to what is arguably the biggest upset in Wimbledon men's history. Stokowski won the match, and for years, that's perhaps what he was best known for. But then, not long after Stokowski retired earlier this year, Russian forces invaded Ukraine, and suddenly, Stokowski was back in the news, this time voicing support for his country. He was sort of uh, one of these faces whose prominence outstripped his ranking. Sort of everyone knew him, he was very outspoken. This is John Wertheim, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He actually wrote a piece uh, for Sports Illustrated when Crimea was annexed in 2014. Um, you know, this is sort of a very much a guy who was part of the fabric of tennis. Sometimes you agreed with him, sometimes you didn't. He retired in Australia. He's in Dubai, and suddenly he tells his family, goodbye, I'm fighting. Stokowski returned to Ukraine and enlisted in the military. And just days after the Russian invasion, he spoke to us from Kiev. 
Stokowski had been outside the country. He didn't have to return. But like a lot of his countrymen, some of whom are fellow athletes, he did. And to hear him tell it, the choice to fight was no choice at all. It's uh, fairly simple. I've seen the images of fathers sending their kids and, and wives uh, away, you know, and standing behind to defend. And I just didn't see myself as any other different. Stokowski's taking a big risk here, and like a lot of people would be, he's naturally afraid. I was scared. I was scared for my family. My father, my mother, my brother and his family were all in Kiev at that time. So, of course, first was fear. Fear for the, for the family, for the close ones. But in this situation, for me, there was no right choice. No matter what decision I would make, whether I would decide to stay home with my kids or I would decide to leave, for me, both of these decisions were bad. Because in one way, I'm betraying my kids and my family because I'm leaving them alone and I'm not sure that I'll be able to come back. And on the other hand, I'm betraying my father, my brother, who stayed behind and my country. John, you've heard him admit that he's worried and concerned, as I think any of us would be. And it just strikes me as really powerful, but also strange because, as you mentioned, just months ago, he was a tennis player and now he's fighting a war. You know, it's funny, in a different context, sometimes these sound like athletes' quotes, and it's keeping up morale, and it's fighting for every point. But, you know, he is a husband, he's a father, there is no doubt um, a level of, of trepidation. I mean, I, at some level, how could there not be? And also, at, at some level, I, I think there's really this immense pride. We all sort of ask ourselves what we would do in certain situations, and here's an occasion where he's actually got to make a decision, and there's... Sergei Stakhovsky uh, carrying a rifle for what he thinks is a righteous cause, what I think most of us think is a righteous cause. It is a righteous cause, but it's also a completely foreign experience for him because he's a tennis player, not a soldier, which is something he expressly said to us. I'm not a military. I don't have a military experience. I'm willing to fight. Uh, about the dying part, you know, I'm not sure that any of the people, even they say they're willing to die, even me saying that Ukrainians are willing to die, I'm just saying it because they are dying which means, you know, it's not like choice. It's already happening. But when you come to every single individual, I don't think that anybody wants to die. John, that is just so stunning to hear. It's a former tennis player who would otherwise be thinking about, I don't know, an easy retirement. And now he's openly contemplating his mortality. I mean, again, you just sort of put this in context and here's a guy who six weeks ago was living the, this charmed life of courtesy cars and luxury hotels. And, you know, it's, it's a nice life being a professional tennis player, even if you're not uh, Serena Williams or Novak Djokovic. And uh, weeks later, this guy has, he's put his money where his mouth is. And uh, you see these photos of him and it's just, it beggars disbelief that six weeks ago he was wearing, uh, you know, shorts and a t-shirt and, and playing tennis in Melbourne, Australia. It's a morning which I wish no one would have to experience. You know, when, when, when my grandfather, may his soul rest in peace, uh, he was the veteran of the World War II. And when he was telling us the stories, when I remember when I was little, when he was telling all the stories, you know, 4 a.m., that uh, Germany invaded Soviet Union and et cetera, and how that was. I mean, he was always telling with such a fearful voice, I would say, you know, that this should not ever happen again. And yet we are here and it's happening. The Russian president says a military operation is now underway in eastern Ukraine. On the second dawn of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Russian forces press ever closer into the heart of the country, making their way surely but steadily towards Kiev, the country's capital. Safety concerns, as we said, are now growing in the city of Lviv. Uh, that is in western Ukraine. 
Russia is turning Ukrainian cities in its crosshairs into a living hell. I think at some level, there is still uh, this sort of stunned disbelief that this is actually happening, that this had been this lurking threat, but it's a lot different to sort of talk about this as a threat and then seeing libraries and bread factories and, and universities getting shelled. He does seem to echo a lot of what Zelensky's saying. It really, uh, you know, it's great that everyone's saying thoughts and prayers, but what they really need is some financial support and the military support. Yeah, the thoughts and prayers thing is interesting because one of the people who reached out to him and wished him well was Novak Djokovic. And I understand they haven't always seen eye to eye, but I would imagine, John, that any differences they might have had during their career are minor when measured against the suffering that's unfolding in Ukraine, right? Yeah, you know, this this was tennis is a political sport. I'm sure they were on different sides of certain issues. You know, these are two players who are at, at different positions in the tennis food chain. But no, I mean, I think, you know, Djokovic takes a lot of heat and sometimes it's justifiable and sometimes it's self-sabotaging. But Stakowski went out of his way to say, Djokovic, I've heard from. And, you know, I mean, obviously, without too long of a detour of, of, about Serbia and about the Balkans, um, Novak Djokovic probably is, is approaching and observing this with uh, a different perspective than a guy from an island off of Spain or a guy uh, who grew up in Basel, Switzerland. But I, you know, I mean, I, th I think it's really remarkable. We sort of, we have all these cliches in, in tennis. It's, it's a global sport and it's this global village and it's international. And here you really see this, this war playing out in tennis in the way it, it probably doesn't in other sports. Stakovsky isn't the only Ukrainian tennis player who's been outspoken about the war. Elena Svitolina has also expressed her support for her country after beating a Russian player in a recent tournament. I was uh, on the mission for my country. Uh, all the prize money that I'm going to earn here is going to the Ukrainian army, so thank you so much for the support. John, that carries some real weight when a player of Svitolina's caliber speaks up, doesn't it? Alina Sidalina is a, a top 10 player and has been for many, many years. I mean, she's top of the food chain. In addition to speaking out, there are other Ukrainian athletes who have joined the resistance against the invasion. Sergei Stakovsky has been at the forefront of this, but he's not alone in taking up arms for his country. Alexander Dogopolov was ranked as high as number 13 in the world tennis rankings before he retired, and he tweeted a photo recently of a bulletproof vest, helmet, rifle, and other weapons, and he wrote, used to be rackets and strings, now this. And he spoke to Eurosport. I had no idea how to hold a weapon, so so I found a shooting uh, place, and I was I was lucky that there was an ex-military professional who who teached me for five or six, seven days. I don't remember. So now I'm comfortable with with weapons. I can shoot quite. Uh, I mean, not perfect, but for sure I can hit a person if I see one. Vladimir Klitschko is a former boxing heavyweight champion. He's serving a symbolic non-combat role in the army. Please, get into action now. Don't wait. Act now. Stop this war. His older brother, Vitaly, also a former heavyweight champion and current mayor of Kiev, is doing the same. Another boxer, Alexander Yusek, took up arms as well. He told CNN, it's my duty to fight, to defend my home and family. It's not that I want to fight somewhere on the front line. I'm defending my home. I'm defending my wife, my children, my close ones. 
Biathlete Dmytro Padushny joined Ukraine's National Guard, and just weeks ago, he was in Beijing at the Winter Olympics, where he set a personal record in the individual races. John, what do you make of all these athletes getting into the fight? It's really extraordinary. And one thing it says is this this is not just some, you know, annexed state. This is clearly a country that has inspired some real loyalty and real strong feelings among its residents. These are extraordinary decisions being made. The fallback is sort of, you know, these guys have millions and millions of dollars. They could be on a beach somewhere, and there they are in basements carrying 40 pounds of gear and a rifle. It's really extraordinary. And I think apart from uh, just sort of what it says about them personally, I think it also gives the lie to the notion that Ukraine is somehow not worth fighting for, and it's a sort of, uh, you know, this renegade state. Which is a notion, John, that Stakovsky pushed back on when he spoke with us. Ukraine is a peaceful country. We never wanted to go into any war. Inside Ukraine, we had a, a big changes to come up, you know, and we started to to actually pave that path for the future, defining the right direction, to find the right balance, uh, to change the system, to change the governance, to change the law system, for us to move forward, to make a, a quality jump forward. We needed a lot of things to change. And we didn't have that chance to finish it because the war broke up. And we just want, firstly, the war to finish, and then that they would give us time to fix our country. There's just so much going on right now, and Stakovsky and his countrymen and women are dealing with so much, and we'll obviously keep monitoring the situation. But for now, John, thank you for your reporting and for doing this. Thanks, John. Anytime. After a break, Hall of Famer Jerry Rice joins us to discuss the many times he graced the cover of Sports Illustrated. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, we throw a lot of heavy subject matter at you here at Sports Illustrated Weekly. We just came off a piece about Deshaun Watson and another about Ukrainian athletes fighting the Russian invasion. And so we thought, you know what? Let's lighten it up a little bit. And so here we are about to throw to a conversation with Jerry Rice. If you had told the 14-year-old version of me that I'd be talking to Jerry Rice for a Sports Illustrated podcast, I would have lost my mind right after asking what a podcast is. Sometimes we need to take a step back and just enjoy the good things about sports and the people who make it great. So here's me talking to Jerry Rice about all the SI covers he graced, his new SI NFTs, and being the GOAT all these years later. We had a lot of fun once we ironed out some minor internet issues. Jerry Rice is just unstoppable. All right, Jerry Rice, welcome to Sports Illustrated Weekly. I am so happy to be here. (laughs) After you stressing me out the way you did. (laughs) There were some technical difficulties that we got past. And now I'm talking to the GOAT. He's got the GOAT hat on. This is really amazing. Uh, Jerry, you know, you've been on the cover of Sports Illustrated many times. Tell me about what you remember about the first time you appeared on Sports Illustrated and what that signified for you and your career. Well, SI is just like winning the MVP for the Super Bowl, the most valuable player. And, you know, it's so iconic. It's all about the biggest moments in sports. It's the most memorable in my career. And, you know, it's just like it's one of those things where you have to pinch yourself because you just can't believe you are actually on SI Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. And uh, my cover, you know, well, for my NFT, uh, you know, it stems from uh, January 1990 against the Minnesota Vikings. And I think we were 15 and two. The Vikings, they were 10 and seven. And we needed to get past them to, uh, you know, get to the Super Bowl. And I remember in that game, I had five catches for about 112 yards and two touchdowns. And it's almost like this play, it it, it registers in my mind because it was called flanker drive. And my job is to read if it's man to man or if it's zone. If it's man to man, I keep going. If it's zone, I just sit down over the ball. And for some reason, uh, the defense, they confused me a little bit. So I was unsure. And I just sat over the ball and Joe threw me in the ball. Then I, I reverse field 
And I think I went for 72 yards for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, that was a defining moment in that ball game. And I think it really helped us to get past the Minnesota Vikings. That's such a cool moment in time. And, it, and it's really cool that it was captured on the cover. And as you mentioned, you've got these NFTs coming out and you're part of this rollout along with a whole bunch of really famous athletes. Uh, we did a Twitter Spaces the other day with a couple of them with Emmett Smith and Dick Buckus, but Shaq is involved, Mia Hamm, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Phelps, John McEnroe, where you can get these Sports Illustrated covers in NFTs. You're part of this rollout. Why did you want to be involved in it? And, and what do you think about this new technology? Well, I think if we wanted to make it really accessible for the fans. That's the most important thing. And man, it's... Uh, the non-fungible uh, tokens. Mm -hmm. And it's something that uh, I think the fans, uh, we wanted to make it uh, comfortable for them where they could purchase it. Because, uh, you know, for so many years, man, it was all about the fans, how they inspired me to be the best football player that I could possibly be. And it's, it's basically about just, you know, just uh, giving back. And I'm thankful that SI is part of this and I have partnered with them because, you know, I'm, I'm like one of those old guys when, and with NFTs and all of that stuff. I don't know exactly how it works and, and, and all that, but I know I have 3D animation and the design and, the, you know, it's seriously fun. And I'm just very fortunate that I have graced uh, three covers. Yeah, it's really cool. You, you know, when we were doing that Twitter spaces with Emmett Smith, he brought this up and I had forgotten about it. I want to go back to the actual physical covers that you could hold in your hands because, you know, when I was growing up, I collected them. I had stacks of them in my room, a bunch of them of you and Emmett. And Emmett said, yeah, it was a really cool deal to be on the cover of SI. But he said there was also this superstition because before there was the Madden video game curse, there was the SI cover curse, which I had forgotten about. Did you buy into it back then? Uh, yeah, you know, with the Madden, uh, you never wanted to be on the cover of Madden, you know, <laughs> because the majority of players, you know, they would always get injured. It was the same way with uh, SI. But, you, you know, you somehow you just got to you got to battle through that and you just got to appreciate what's happening, you know, to actually be on a Sports Illustrated and stuff like that. It's like a dream come true because, you know, for me, coming from Mississippi, I never thought that I would have the career that I that I had playing with with the greatest uh, quarterback ever, Joe Montana, with uh, the greatest owner, Eddie DeBarlo, the San Francisco 49ers. And all of this, you know, became real. And uh, I think it's the same way with uh, SI, man, you know, the appreciation that goes along with that and the respect. Any Anytime you, you put on the Pellister, like, you know, with a Shaq, with a Wayne Gretzky, with a Billie Jean King, with a Muhammad Ali, Emmitt Smith, Dick Buckus, and all of that stuff, man, you know, you'll never forget. What a list. All right, Jerry, you've been so gracious with your time. Last one for you. For Jeopardy, I don't know if you're a Jeopardy fan, but with Jeopardy, when they do their oh. daily doubles, they bring in celebrity guests to ask a question. So for the first time ever, we're going to do the SI Daily Double from the panel that you did together at the Super Bowl with Joe Montana, it's NFL Network's Colleen Wolf with the first ever SI Daily Double. Jerry, Jerry, great 
to see you. Okay, so it was really fun getting to know you, working with you a little bit at Super Bowl. So my question is, if you could go back and change anything about the covers that you did, would you change anything? What would you do? I mean, we saw Emmett no, Smith no. in a hot tub, very iconic. <laughs> and I know that you you have a lot of swag. You're always making fashion statements. If you could change anything or do it again, what would you do different? You know, I think certain things you just can't mess with. That's just like certain, you know, movies you can't uh, duplicate. Uh, you know, with the SI, I think it's just something about being on that magazine and it defines everything. And I wouldn't change anything. And, you know, I get asked all the time, they say, well, about the old era and the new era of football, you know, would you prefer to play in the new era of football? No, I would prefer to play in, in the old era. And the reason why I say that is that, you know, you had to fight for everything. You had to be like a gladiator on the football field. You had to establish yourself. And even if the ball was not coming your way, you, you know, you had to defend yourself. It was that type of football. So, you know, I think it's the same thing with the SI. You know, it's certain things that you can't change. He's a Hall of Famer. He's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated many times, and now he's been on Sports Illustrated Weekly. Jerry Rice, we thank you for this Hall of Fame interview. Hey, thank you guys for putting up with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> you are the absolute best. Thank Bye. you. Sports Illustrated Weekly is a production of Sports Illustrated and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. And for more of Sports Illustrated's best stories and podcasts, visit SI.com. This episode of Sports Illustrated Weekly was produced by Cooper McKim, Jessica Yarmoski, and Isaac Lee, who is also our sound engineer. Our senior producer is Dan Bloom. Our executive producers are Scott Brody and me, John Gonzalez. Our theme song is by Nolan Schneider. Thanks for listening, and if you've stuck around this long, we leave you with this. Jerry, what are they doing Look to you? Look who it is. Uh, They're stressing me out. I know. They're Look, stressing me out. I have no hair. They, I pulled all my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 